Welcome to By the Ghost Light, where we take the National Theater news and tell you why it is relevant for your small, local, podunk town that has a preacher who's trying to ban dancing, and for some reason, there's this kid from Chicago here who just... I don't know. He, he, Ryan, he's Ryan. He's real skinny, Ryan, and the Ryan. jacket is not great, but That's it's iconic. That's Footloose, Ryan. Yeah? That's Footloose. Yeah, isn't that what you're doing right now? No, that's not what I'm doing right now. And that's not really true to anybody's life that I've ever observed. Oh. I thought you were, you're not working on Footloose the musical? Oh, God, no. I don't have the dancers for Footloose. <laughs> Hi, I'm Ryan. <laughs> I'm Cassie. And this ends the bit. It was good. <laughs> it was good while it lasted. Absolutely. But Ryan... We're going to talk about a lot of things today. We've got like big lofty topics to talk about. We're talking about shows closing on Broadway and like the aesthetic of Broadway and the tourism of Broadway. But all of these things are true. But you just had a performance weekend. How did it go? I did. And that's why my voice sounds terrible. I'm just going to call it out right now because I know I'm going to hear it when I have to edit this. And that's just how this is. But yes, I had shows all weekend. Yay! They went pretty well. Uh, it's really fun being back on stage. And um, I didn't realize how much I had missed it, like the connection with the audience. And I'd also forgotten how strange audience reactions can really throw you. <laughs> yep. I believe I had an audience member call me out for not projecting on Sunday during the matinee lady was like at least 85 years old and i know how to project i have a sinking feeling i might know who it is you probably i do. won't name names but there is a lady <laughs> who anytime she's at a preview that my kids do and we do a q a afterwards every single time she will say that kids need to learn how to project she couldn't hear them blah, 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 blah. And she's an old lady yeah. about 85. So I wouldn't be surprised yeah, if it was it the same It might be the one. same lady. might be the same woman. It was um, during one of my lines. Like, like during one of... It was not one of the funny ones either. Like, it was one of, like, the, the poignant moments and everything. And we're sitting on the bed and um, we're having a moment. And then I just could hear... Like, it was silent in the room. So any noise you hear, any whispers are not really whispers. And the audience is so close in that theater. Mm -hmm. Like... You can't hide anything. Uh, and I definitely dropped a line and forgot where I was. And uh, thankfully, I have a delightful scene partner named Haley, and she got me back on track. But I was thrown completely. And uh, yeah, that's live theater for you. So you would not have fared well in Shakespeare's day is what I'm hearing. I think I just have to get used to it again since it's been, you know, six years. Fair. Uh, but... I was I was thrown for a loop, a strange loop, even. Oh, yes, indeed. Look, I will reference our our Tony winning show anytime I can, but yeah. So I've done one weekend of shows, uh, and now we rest and recover for a couple of days before we have a brush up uh, Tuesday. But then we get back into it for the last weekend of shows, and it'll be good. Uh, but. Uh, so which show are you coming to, Cassie? I will be there. Because you were notably absent. I was notably absent. absent. I will be there on closing night because your show strikes and my show moves in. Yes, so, that is true. Um, yeah. Let me uh, clarify one thing. It is closing matinee. Yes. 
Not closing it, night. Well, closing night, just the last performance. So if you show up at eight, the stage will already be struck. <laughs> if I show up at eight, my set should hopefully already be in place. There you go. No, I wonder how much of that they are expecting me to do. Uh, We're going to find out on Sunday, I bet. They got a guy. Yeah, I have been the guy for the last three weeks. So, oh, Well, they got a guy that I know is helping with my transition into my show. So, oh, good. Yeah, so we're actually – my theater company is renting the space that you've been performing in. As soon as your show is done, we get it for two weeks, and then our show performs. What a segue. Hey, Cassie, how's your show going? You just had, uh, like, the best rehearsal of your life tonight, right? I You're just singing the praises of these students – they're remembering all their words, well, like they're emotionally moving you, and the characters are real rich. And they're gonna get there. I have every faith and confidence in them. Today was the first off book rehearsal, which, if you're not familiar, um, is a term that means the first time they have to do it without their scripts in their hands. So the first yes. time that they have to do it, remembering all their lines and remembering all their lyrics and remembering all their blocking and their dance, and it. Was not as good as it could have been. Yep. It was not as good as it could have been. There's uh, an old adage uh, that I'm about to screw up, but that uh, off book day is always a train wreck. <laughs> and sometimes it's not. Sometimes there's only so many things to remember, or sometimes there's only a few actors and they're really on top of things. And then there's musicals where you know, all of a sudden, you know, 30, 40, 50 people have to do everything with no notes yeah it was a little rough it was a little rough and i'm trying not to panic and i'm trying not to freak out about it but just we had a number of setbacks at the beginning of our rehearsal process um script delays illnesses like just a, a more than our fair share of setbacks and it has unfortunately put us about two weeks behind where i try to be at this point in the process sure um and i'm feeling that right now and like I said, I have full faith and confidence in these kids. They're going to pull out a great show. But off book day is always a little rough. The real test is to see how they do the day after off yes. book day. Yes. I think like that that's the first true litmus test of, okay, we've seen the bad. Like we've seen the let's try it and see what happens. Okay, let's see how serious we all are about this now and see how much work we can put in and how quickly we can get comfortable. Yeah. So I'm confident but i've been thinking a lot about um the kind of theater that you and i do where Mm -hmm. it is you know regional small theater and so you just have this one like performance weekend right and then your Mm -hmm. show's done and you move on to the next thing and how different an experience that is from professional theater like broadway where your show just goes on and on and on forever and you just keep swapping new oh people. Oh my god. In. See, Cassie. Isn't this the most brilliant segue you've ever heard in your life? Cassie, Ryan? I don't think I'm doing segues anymore. Aha. Aha. I think that's hair your toss, job. Hair now. Toss. And I was particularly noticing this because there's been a lot of Broadway news recently about shows that are closing. And one of the shows that's closing is Music Man, who are notably closing so that they do not have to replace their main two actors. Yeah. As a Broadway show usually does. Usually they just mm-hmm. keep replacing the leads. Hugh Jackman and Sutton Foster are the draw of that show. Completely. And so rather than replace them, they're closing the show in January. Yeah. So for those uh, listening along at home that maybe you don't know uh, how the Broadway world works so well, um, the way that Broadway works and the way that 
theater, the rest of theater works are two wildly different things. Most of us do theater because we love it. Broadway is trying to make money in many different ways, and this is a huge conversation. Specifically for Hugh and Sutton, they're huge names, they're huge draws. It's how they can jack up the ticket prices. But usually uh, when you sign on to do a Broadway show, it's a one-year contract. So they did their one year, and then I believe as part of uh, the negotiations here, figuring out how long the two of them could stay in the show, they both agreed to stay on through January 1st, at which point the show will close rather than close earlier. Because I think that puts them at like a year and two months, technically, mm-hmm. running, something like that. Like, it's it's a strange number. Um, so there would have had to have been some sort of negotiations there. But apparently Music Man is wicked expensive to operate, like, on a weekly basis. Apparently the show is crazy expensive. The overhead is insane. I can't understand that, honestly. Like, is it because Hugh and Sutton are such big names? Is it their salaries? Because what aspects, what elements are you adding to Music Man to make the show that expensive? As soon as you put all of these children on the stage and everything you have to do around all the children. Yeah, no, I guess that makes sense. All those costumes, because everybody has like four. Yeah. And all the band uniforms got to get cleaned every night and all the instruments. I don't know. I guess I, I think of the Music Man as like regional theater level show. Right. Like right. every every small town theater you've ever encountered has done the Music Man at least once. Yes. So it doesn't scream like big yes. Broadway budget to me. No, it's not a Broadway smash hit. Not in 2022. It's the only reason why it's worked today is a little bit of the name recognition from the show, but just because it's Hugh and Sutton. Mm-hmm. And we talked about that a little bit in our episode about stunt casting, you know, having the names that are the big draw. But what's noticeable is that most times a Broadway show will close once its sales start to go down, like once they see audience capacity kind of slipping, once they see profit starting to slip. But Music Man is still going really strong in terms it is going of really strong. making profit and in terms of filling capacity. I think it's it's an interesting choice to close while they're going so strong. Mm-hmm. Rather than seeing what would happen if they did replace the leads with less well-known actors. I have to think that Hugh Jackman has a movie lined up to shoot. Mm-hmm. Like, that's got to be, like he said, like, I could stay through January 1st beyond that, and I can't do it. And it's also not like a, I can stay through January 1st, and then I got to go away for two months to shoot something, and then I'll come back. He's not coming back to this. No. So, and Sutton's got... I'm sure she got 12 other other things she could do if she wants. She's wanted, Sutton Foster. Right? It's Sutton Foster. She can do whatever she wants. Yeah. So I, I got to think that enough of the bean counters of the Broadway world got together and said, okay, if we take this and this and this and this out, is it worth it? Are we even going to break even? It's really expensive to do and everything. Um, and I think one of the shows they're looking at, because Broadway Broadway shows are constantly comparing themselves to the other shows that are running. And I think everybody kind of sat up and took notice when Into the Woods kept extending. Mm-hmm. This revival kept extending because they could just bring in new A-listers and be like, cool, great, we're just going to keep going. People are going to learn the parts and it's going to be, it's going to work. And then Sarah Bareilles left the show and attendance dropped by 25%. Yeah, which is a shame because from all accounts, Stephanie J. Block is phenomenal. Phenomenal, exactly. And then it's uh, 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 her husband's 
I've Cedar? heard Sebastian. Arcellus? Sebastian Arcellus. Sebastian Arcellus. I have heard that his performance is phenomenal as well. It's just stupendous. Neither of them are Sarah Bareilles. Right. And that is the unfortunate truth of the business of Broadway. Yeah, and I think it's interesting that they have also announced that the January extension is their last extension. So we've got, between now and February, we've got five huge shows mm-hmm. on Broadway that are closing. So yes, Dear Evan Hansen do. just closed. Yes, they did. And it has been running since 2016. Come yep. From Way is closing in two weeks, and it's yep. been running since 2016. Yep. Music Man's closing January 1st. Into the Woods is closing January 8th. And the biggest news that I know everybody's been waiting to hear us talk about, Phantom of the Opera is closing after a 35-year run on Broadway. Never heard of it. Yeah, it's by this little guy, Andrew Lloyd Webber. He hasn't done very much. A- Did you say Andy? Andy, Andy, yep. Andy, Andy Webber? Andy Webbs. Andy Webbs. Andy Webbs. Okay, cool. Uh, Andy <laughs> Webbs wrote a show about uh, a French phantom cool yeah mm-hmm. based off a book phantom of the opera gosh what a show that is what a show so it is the longest running broadway musical full stop uh 35 years is a long freaking time oh yeah and it is really really hard to imagine any any show breaking that 35 year record because you have to transcend decades at that point i mean 35 years ago ronald reagan was the president it, yes that is true. 35 years ago, I wasn't born yet. Yeah, we weren't alive. I think Wicked has a chance. It could, but we'll long. see what that film but does we'll to it once they make the movie. We'll we'll see what the film does. Phantom survived its film, so the the film was so bad that it had to survive. And here's so here's the thing. And I might as well say it now. It's going to come out eventually. I am not an Andrew Lloyd Webber fan at all. I have seen a number of his shows performed live. I have seen Joseph. I have seen Jesus Christ Superstar. I have seen Cats. I have seen Phantom. I've seen a pro shot of Phantom. I haven't seen it live. a pro shot of Phantom. Okay. Yeah. I've seen a pro shot of Love Never Dies. Um, I have seen the Love Never Dies pro <laughs> shot. I have which seen that. Is its, in its own episode. Oh, boy. <laughs> Oh, boy. I have seen a number of Andrew Lloyd Webber shows performed. I have seen movie versions of others. I have listened to soundtracks of others. I have never legitimately enjoyed myself while experiencing an Andrew Lloyd Webber show. I don't care for his music. I don't care for the stories he chooses to tell or the way he chooses to tell them. He just does not appeal to me. He appeals to everybody else. Like, this man is massively popular. His shows are massively popular. I personally, though, do not like them. I'm kind of ambivalent on the Webster. The Webster? Eh, Andy Webbs. Andy Webbs. Andy Webbs, I can take him or leave him. I do like that we get to count School of Rock as uh, Andy Webbs. I will say I have not actually sat down to listen to School of Rock, and I am intrigued enough by it that I want to because it seems so un-Andrew Lloyd Webber. It isn't him. Like, it does not sound like him at all. Like, if you ask me what big-name composer is writing the music for School of Rock, I would have said Elton John before I said Andrew Lloyd Webber. Yeah, Elton John. Some uh, Stephen Schwartz, maybe? Like Maybe. I don't know anybody else, but yeah, School of Rock, the musical, 
I, I really like, but I also have a real soft spot for that uh, movie, and I really liked how they did the show. So Me too. So I will withhold yeah. judgment on School of Rock until I have a yeah. chance to listen to it. But it is such an outlier from the rest of his canon, from the Webster canon, that uh, it, it just, it's weird. But uh, Phantom of the Opera, the movie, I'm not going to call it a film, the movie experience, was the first movie musical I ever saw. Um, so it will only ever be so bad for me because I saw it and then went, oh, I like this. Okay, and then I realized valid. that there was more other different, better things. I also did not realize that was Gerard Butler as the Phantom <laughs> for a good like seven or eight years. Oh, yeah. So that was a whole thing, too. That movie was the movie my high school choir teacher put on when she didn't want to teach. Oh, boy. That sounds right, though. Like, that's... Yeah. Yeah. That list of films is probably real short, and that should be on it. So we that's, watched that's that more than once in choir. We also watched Newsies in choir. Which, that would have been the uh Oh, that movie. was not... The, the stage the musical Bale. did not exist. This was the, the movie with Christian Bale. That's, that's a pretty good... It is really hard to describe how important Phantom is without sounding like we're just blowing it out of proportion. But it's so important. Be... Like, you don't run for 35 years on Broadway without being important to the history of the art form, right? I did see it. I have seen it on Broadway. I got to see it last Christmas. Um, and I do not, oh man, I don't remember the actress's name and my Google skill is not that quick, but I did get to see the first uh, Black Christine. Oh, that's that's good. I can't remember her name off the top of my head. That was a while ago, but she was phenomenal. She was incredible. And it was interesting because it changed the nature of the show. You run this show for 30 plus years, and then all of a sudden there's a black Christine, and Christine can no longer hide visually on stage. It completely changes the show. It doesn't, it's, it's just wild. She literally can't hide in the ensemble anymore, and that's the point. I can talk a lot about Phantom. Anyway, it is an experience that, I understand why 35 years worth of people needed to have the experience of seeing Phantom because it is it is extravagant. It is mesmerizing. They do some really cool things, um, whether it's the chandelier or whether it's the boat or whether it's all the candles or whether it's the Phantom at the top of the theater. Like there's all of these really cool things that they do that, you know, were groundbreaking at whatever time they were added to the show or put into the show and then it became these talking points and then it became a tourist attraction and then you know you could see the new york uh you know the nyc shirts that just had them like the phantom mask like over part of the sea um and that became a logo and a draw and it became so much more than just a show it was a tourist attraction people you know came from all over to come to new york city to see the chandelier rise in the theater uh, which was real cool. Like it, it is real cool. One no, of the it brings things the I've seen. spectacle. It does. Yeah, the show's not good. The story is terrible and really hard to follow. Right, and that's that's my thing with with this. Like, yeah, and that's that's why I said earlier that I I don't love the stories Andrew Lloyd Webber gravitates toward, mm-hmm. or the way he chooses to tell them because. Yes, this is a this is a from the 80s mega musical. It's all about the spectacle. 
It's what every musical from that era was doing. They're doing things like crashing a chandelier onto the stage. They're doing things Mm -hmm. like bring an actual helicopter into the theater. Like that was the thing when this was happening. But the story of the Phantom of the Opera is incredibly problematic. It is about this toxic, possessive relationship between a teacher and a student. There's not great things happening. And I have heard the rumor that the show is technically closing so that it can almost immediately turn around and reopen with a revamp. Um, Yeah. And you know what? I'm not opposed to that idea. I almost think that there should be some kind of rule like that. Like if your show goes for so long on Broadway, you should have to take a break and revamp it. Because... The world that we live in is very different than the world that existed 35 years ago when Phantom opened. Wild. And I yeah. think I think that if you just do the same show over and over again for so long, it's not necessarily contributing to the cultural conversation anymore. And I think that it could if people were willing to step back and make a change or, or to reimagine or revamp. I think yeah. after 35 years, you almost need that. Yeah, I think you do. And I think we can have the exact same discussion about Chicago. Yeah. Honestly, it will be interesting to see what they do next. There was a quote that came out from Cameron McIntosh, who is the famous uh, producer who um, he produced Phantom 35 years ago and most of the other Lloyd Webber stuff, original producer of Les Mis. He's done a lot of he's done a lot of theater things. Um he was asked, "Hey, will Phantom come back?" and his immediate response was, "I'm sure it will." I've already brought Les Mis back twice. So it's going to come back. It's going to be fine. The rumor that I've heard that I kind of can see happening is, um, so the the theater belongs to um, Andrew Lloyd Webber's production company. Is it the Majestic? Is that the theater that the Phantom's in? And I'm pretty sure Andrew Lloyd Webber's company owns the theater now. It's the Majestic. Um, Between him and Macintosh, like Broadway money gets weird. Like, that's a whole, it's all really weird, and nobody's totally sure who owns what. The rumor is that they're closing Phantom so that Cinderella can come there and then run for however long it takes to refigure out Phantom. So then Andrew Lloyd Webber gets his version of Cinderella from the West End to Broadway, so that's on Broadway, runs for however long they need it to or want it to, and then they can close it and reopen Phantom in whatever new way they want to do it. From a business perspective, I get, as a fan, can we watch School of Rock again, please, and thank you. Yeah. Alex Brightman's contract with Beetlejuice has to end at some point, and he would absolutely go play in School of Rock again. That'd be phenomenal. Because he played the Jack Black role. Oh, yeah. Very well. Absolutely. Very, very well. So we'll see what happens, I guess. I'm now really glad that I saw Phantom before it's closing. Like... That would have been a little sad for me to not get to see it, but Cassie is not sad. Like for those of you at home, I just want you to be very aware. Cassie is not sad that Phantom I'm is closed. I'm not a fan of Weber. I'm okay. just not. Maybe they'll close Phantom so they can bring back Love Never Dies and do it right this time. Oh my God, you can't do that show right. Musical I... sequels should not be a thing. That is its own episode. It's on our list. Yes, it is. It is on our list, uh, and I love some of that music in Love Never Dies, and it's a hot garbage fire. It is so bad. 
it's it's oh boy that's so bad but it is in in listening to people talk about all the big shows that are closing on broadway and what it means for broadway and and looking at the like the numbers of what's doing well and what's kind of starting to drop off and not do well it is fascinating to me to look at what shows have achieved this longevity mm-hmm. on broadway because the longest running shows right now are Phantom and Lion King and Wicked. Yes. And Chicago. Chicago's the longest running revival. Yes. Um, and apparently, according to somebody else on TikTok, Chicago's going to be in there forever because it's literally like in the wills of the people who are producing that when they die, the money will keep going to Chicago. Gotcha. Okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> like it's there forever. We talked a little bit earlier about Broadway is a tourist thing. Mm-hmm. It is. That's why the prices are so high. It likes to pretend that it's not. It likes to pretend like it's about the art. But at the end of the day, it's fully capitalism. It's fully about making money. And I think one of one of the things that, that supports that is Stephen Sondheim has never had a show run longer than three years on Broadway. Which is insane. And Stephen Sondheim is like the pinnacle of musical theater. I mean, especially now that he's passed away. Like, I mean, he would say that he's not the greatest musical theater composer. He would point, you know, back to Hammerstein and all them. But Mm -hmm. I, I mean, anybody born after Sondheim is pointing to Sondheim. Yeah. And his shows commercially on Broadway largely have not done that well. Mm -hmm. And... I think this is astounding until you think about mass appeal. So what I will say for Andrew Lloyd Webber, the man can write an earworm. Yes, he can. He writes he writes songs that get stuck in your head. They're not good, but he writes them and they're there and they live there forever. And he, for some reason, has has managed to hatch this formula of writing these shows that have such a broad appeal that I do not understand. I do not understand why if you had the chance to see any other show in the world, you would literally pay money to go see Cats. This it's is incomprehensible cats. to me. It's about cats. It's about cats. Like, that is incomprehensible to me. And yet, he's got these shows. Cats ran forever. Phantom has run forever. Jesus yeah. Christ Superstar is huge. Like, he's got these shows that for some reason he's cracked that code of mass appeal. Where Sondheim doesn't, and I've had coworkers and I've had friends who are outside of the theater world who, when they talk about the shows that they've seen, like I had a coworker who, anytime I brought up into it, she was like, mm, "I don't really like it. I can't really listen to it. All of Sondheim's music sounds the same." I get that argument. Like I understand that argument, and I think I think it's just because it's so complicated that people just hear the complicatedness and like, oh, it's just like it's just dense. There's so much substance to it. Like, that's the thing. Like, everything that Sondheim writes is so smart. I feel the same way about Stephen Schwartz. And Stephen Schwartz, yes, Wicked has been running for 20 years. But before Wicked, Stephen Schwartz shows commercially didn't always do that well either. And I don't know. Like, I'm not sure exactly what this conversation is. I don't know that I have the business acumen to, like, fully articulate what I'm seeing or experiencing. Andrew Lloyd Webber knows how to make McDonald's musicals that appeal to the masses. McDonald's and that's not musicals. Saying that they're I like that. That's bad. what we're calling them now. The McDonald's musicals. <laughs> McDonald's right? musicals. 
But it's something. So there's there's something to be said about the the audience that a show is trying to reach, right? Yeah. When we talk about like all of these smart shows or these very intricate or or, or substantive shows, there's a lot of theater people, like theater people as a whole, collectively sit up and take notice and go, "Oh my god." This is incredible art. We all have to go see it. And that's great, but there are only so many of us. And a lot of us don't live in New York City. And a lot of us can't make it to New York City. So the actual number of people that can go and see that show that will understand it and appreciate it and pay that ticket becomes a much, 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 much smaller pool. But everybody knows what the freaking Lion King is. Yeah. So that's fine, right? Uh, everybody knows what Aladdin is, right? Wicked's a story about the Wicked Witch of the West, right? That's safe for everybody to go see. I'm still not yeah. sure about Phantom because that makes no sense. Makes I don't understand no that one either, but like... No sense. Chicago doesn't make thing. sense either. Like, I don't know what. Is that like the, yeah. ooh, I'm going to take my date because it's like sexy? Is that the thing? I don't know. Oh, that's a red flag for me. Yeah, I know. <laughs> if you're but taking your date to Chicago because you think that's it's how it's sold, though. Times. That's how they bill it. I know. Glitz and glamour and sex. It doesn't explain Phantom though. Phantom doesn't make sense. Um, the the closest comparison that I have to so like whenever somebody asks me why uh, why is Phantom popular, right? Or like a non theaters person, it's like why. Why do people like Phantom? Well, this, 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 this. Like, well, we don't. Some of us do. But I think for a lot of people, it's a comfort show. I think a lot for a lot of people, especially at this point, it's name recognition. But I think the, it's not, and this is not a comparison I like. I'm preempting with this because I know Cassie's about to have a strong reaction. I compare it to Romeo and Juliet because the entire world knows what Romeo and Juliet is. And a lot of them think it's real dumb and stupid, but they know it. And that's my easiest comparison for Phantom. So many people yeah. know what it is or what it's about generally, and even if it's stupid, they, you still got to see it. Like it's culture, like it's like a cultural touchstone. You have to un- see it. You might not understand it, you might not love it, you might not get the language, but you're gonna see it because you have to see it. I don't like the comparison either, but here we are. I'm trying to find a way to say this without sounding elitist because that's not my goal i like mindless shows like candy fluff musicals like absolutely i like watching shows sometimes where i can just turn my brain off and just like enjoy the music and it's a bop and everything's fine you and i did an inside joke reference earlier that a lot of people may not get that are listening when i talked about cats and you said it's about cats that's a whole story on its own that is a whole helps. yes it helps illustrate this point so (laughs) Stephen Sondheim, who we mentioned earlier, is the king of the concept musical. So all of the musicals that he was writing in the 70s and 80s were like not necessarily a linear story. They were written around a concept. So Company was written around the concept of marriage. Like all of his shows had this central theme and this like thing that he was trying to say. He had a statement. He had a message. He was writing a musical to to put that message out into the world to make you think. It was very cerebral. It was very like... Mm -hmm. mentally engaging and his main producer was a guy named Hal Prince he produced most of Sondheim's shows yes Andrew Lloyd Webber wrote Cats and he was shopping it around for a producer and he called up Hal Prince 
And he said, I've got this musical that I wrote. It's based on this book of poems. Here's like the basic overview of all of these characters. And he pitched the whole thing. And at the end of it, Hal Prince on the phone goes, okay, so it's like, it's an allegory for the British monarchy. And this cat is supposed to be Queen Victoria. And this cat, and it's all about like the crumbling monarchy kind of deal. Is that what you're going for? And Andrew Lloyd Webber's response was, It's about cats. No, Hal. It's about cats. It's about cats. cats. And I think, like, like I said, I'm not trying to sound elitist. I'm aware that I do sound a little elitist. But, like, it's about cats. There is no overarching message. There is no allegory. There is no deeper story. It is a two-and-a-half-hour musical about dancing cats. And that's all the more it is. And if you watch the uh, uncut film version, Dancing Cats with Buttholes. Yeah. Google that. Uh, I'd prefer not to. Thank you. Not you. Our audience. Um, Sorry. Oh, yeah. Okay. But sometimes you do just want to watch a show that's just about a fun thing. Mm -hmm. Where you can kind of sit back, turn off your brain, just have a good time. Mamma Mia. Yeah, sometimes you want to watch Mamma Mia. Sometimes you want to watch Mamma Mia. And sometimes, sometimes you want to you watch Grease. You want to think. Sometimes you want to walk out. I never want to watch Grease, but that's a different <laughs> conversation. But sometimes you want to be challenged and you want a show that's going to make you think. And I think you you look to very different composers when you do that. But I think the common person who has the chance to go to New York City for maybe the first and only time in their life and they can see exactly one show. Mm-hmm. They're probably not going to pick the one that makes you a little uncomfortable right? as you sit there watching it. Yeah. If they've got one chance to see a show, they're going to go to a big show that they've heard everybody talk about. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what that says, but it says something. It does say something. And it's the, the capitalism tourism arc of Broadway. It's why marketing for these shows is so important and they have to get it right. It's why getting Tony nominations and Tony awards are so important. Otherwise, shows will close early because nobody's heard of them. Because, like we said before, there's only so many people that want to go see a Broadway show. And of those people, only so many of them live in New York and only so many of them can get to New York. It's a very, very limited pool of people, which is probably why Music Man works, because it's just name recognition. And again, talk about going to see just a fun show that doesn't make you think too Right, yeah. Here we Music Man is that show. Here we are. What I want to see is um, the Guys and Dolls uh, revival that is coming to... uh, Lincoln Center. We talked about it on a previous episode. I want to see that one, and I want to see if that one transfers. Yeah. I want to see Sweeney Todd with Josh Groban. Oh, my God. We haven't talked about Sweeney Todd with Josh Groban. I am so excited for Sweeney Todd talking about another Sondheim show. Yes. Weirdly, I think one of his more mass appeal-y shows. Well, there was a movie with Johnny There was a movie. But I, I mentioned that to Chase, my husband. I was like, hey. Josh Groban's going to be in Sweeney Todd. He's going to play Sweeney. Because initially you go, Josh Groban playing Sweeney. And then Chase was like, no, no, no. This is brilliant. I want to see a Sweeney Todd with that much charm and charisma. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I want to see that because that's not the way that character normally goes. And I am invested. Cannot wait to see him try to do that. Um, Especially after um, uh, The Great Comet. 
where he probably mm-hmm. should have won a Tony. So we'll see how this one goes. Because if he pulls this off, that's a Tony. Oh, yeah. And Annalie Ashford as Mrs. Lovett. Like, oh, my God. I will I watch so anything she her. does. I'm so happy for her to finally... Like, people know the name Annalie Ashford, but, like, she's been in the background of shows for so long. Mm-hmm. Like, I am thrilled for her to get her shot in the yeah. spotlight. My connection to Annalie Ashford is that she was the original Sylvia on Broadway in Sylvia, and then I did the show a couple years after that. I was not Sylvia. I was not playing. I played Greg. I will watch anything she does. So to bring it all the way back to the expenses of running a Broadway show, Sweeney Todd announced that they are doing full orchestrations. They will have a complete orchestra pit, which is expensive. Yeah. Because that is a lot of musicians. You got to pay a lot of money to play every single show. And that cost never goes down. That is a lot of money and a lot of work to do that. And I can't wait to hear that. Mm -hmm. And I would love to see moving into some of these theaters that are closing these big shows. I'd love to see some smaller, more experimental shows written by more diverse voices, but I don't think we're going to. Well, we're going to see a couple. So I've pulled up uh, a little list here. Maybe this is a good way to try to bring this thing in for a landing. So some shows that (laughs) uh, we know are going to come this year still are Almost Famous, the musical, based off of the film. Um, So we'll see how that goes. Uh, That uh, just started previews and it's supposed to go up in October. We've got a couple of plays coming as well. Um, We are getting the all non-male 1776. Yes. um, Which is also already announced a tour. So we'll see how that goes. Death of a Salesman. The West End revival is coming later this year. Um, The Piano Lesson, which is an August Wilson Pulitzer Prize winning show, is coming this year. With Samuel L. Jackson, John David Washington, and Ray Fisher. That's a show. We're also getting a new musical called Kimberly Akimbo. Which, at least from my corner of TikTok, I've heard nothing but positive things. Yeah, so we'll see. Hopefully that goes well. Uh, we are getting K-pop the musical. K-pop the which musical. Which I don't know anything about, but I want to. Uh, it's going to be at Circle in the Square Theater, which is an off-Broadway theater it's very small very intimate i saw spelling bee there gotcha i think that's where once on this island revived as well uh we're also getting a a beautiful noise the neil diamond musical which will either be incredible or miserable it's a jukebox musical yes it is jukebox musical we're getting some like it hot which will either be great or terrible uh and we are here's what i'm yep you just go ahead and take it go ahead take it what's this last one on this list Camelot's being revived, but they are writing a new book. Thank God. And Aaron Sorkin is writing it, and I am so excited for that. We have no idea what that I means. I love Aaron Sorkin. Like, we don't know what that means. What What is he going to do? We have no idea. I don't know. I don't know. But I love Aaron Sorkin. Because you can, only, you can only change the story of Camelot so much. Like, it, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand... People have been telling stories about Arthur and everyone around Arthur for decades. So you could do whatever you want. Yeah. Aaron Sorkin, if for some reason you don't know who that is. How dare you? um, He is, well, who dare you? He is like my life. 
Um, he wrote The West Wing when that was on TV. Yep. He wrote The Newsroom when that was on TV. Yep. Um, he wrote A Few Good Men, yep. the play. He wrote To Kill a Mockingbird. He adapted that. Um, I am very excited he, about this. Yeah. And I support writing new books to older musicals to fix some of their problematic aspects. Yeah, especially now. That would be great. If we could get a new book for yeah. Anything Goes, that would be great. That'd be fantastic. And that's basically a jukebox musical from the 20s anyway. Because yep. it was just a bunch of Cole Porter songs. So, yes, please, let's write a less problematic book. Let's write a less problematic book for Thoroughly Modern Millie. Yes, please. Peter Pan. Peter Pan would be great to have a less problematic book to that. South Pacific is okay. It could use some tweaking. It could use some tweaking. Music Man, Hell, I'm sure they made the tweaks Music for Man this one. could have used some tweaking, and I doubt that they did it. Guys and Dolls is probably mostly okay. Yeah. I don't remember. Okay. Well, it depends what language they use around the uh, 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 the hotbox. Yeah. There is no saving the king and I. No. Um. That is that is just racist from start to finish yeah, that because is what the it source is. material is racist. I like the music though. It's got some real good tunes. It's got some great songs. Well, like Miss Saigon, we're gonna bring this helicopter in for a landing as we close out Ooh, this episode. Nice one. I'm gonna pat myself on the back for that one. Oh no. Oh no, I've got two hands patting my back. It's the ghost. It's the ghost, oh no. Do we have a sighting or do we just have a sensing? I just a sensing, I think. I felt an extra set of hands congratulating me on does my the segue. ghost of the ghost light like to do massage circles because that's problematic too yeah that sounds like the, a theater cult thing though so it does sound like a theater cult thing yeah so thanks for uh coming with us by the ghost light you can follow us over on twitter uh at by the ghost light pod uh and on our patreon for ghost light media thank you to all of the backers over there without whom this show literally would not exist so thanks. Yeah, thank you a lot. And if you've got a topic that you'd like to hear our opinions on, because I don't know why you wouldn't, uh, reach out to us on social media and say, hey, I'd love to hear you talk about this. I'd love to hear you talk about that. And we'll add it to the list. Absolutely, we'll add it to the list. Cassie keeps a, a very well-organized list um, that is not it's, just a series of sticky notes. It's a Google Doc now. Okay, gr- great. Awesome. I wasn't At sure. One point I really in time, wasn't it was sure. It was just a, a series of sticky notes, but it's a Google Doc. I shared it with you. Yeah. I'm hurt, Ryan. Yes, and I've absolutely looked at it. 100% percent looked sure at it. I'm sure you have. So, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm I leave very it open. It's an open that. tab on my desktop at all times. I don't believe you any more than I believed my actors this afternoon when they promised me they'd looked at their scripts before off book day. And on that note, don't forget to look at your scripts, children. You know who you are. Well, that's all from us. I'm Ryan. I'm Cassie. And join us next time by the ghost light. This has been a Ghostlight Media production.